Arsenal legends Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. It really was one of the great Etihad nights for Manchester City with that 4-1 win over Arsenal. It felt like anything but a title decider in terms of the gap between the two sides on the field of play. Manchester City, what a run of form they are now in. They've won their last 12 Premier League games in a row against Arsenal. Uh, They've now won seven Premier League games in a row. They are unbeaten in their last 17 games in all competitions. They've won every single game they played at the Etihad Stadium this year. And they've scored 44 goals in their last 12 home games. It is a sensational run of form from Pep Guardiola's side, just at the right time, as always. To talk about Manchester City, I'm joined on the line by Sam Lee of The Athletic. How are you keeping, Sam? Hello, yeah, very well, thank you, very well. Uh, they know how to time their run. They do, they do. You know, um, it's the, one of the big questions is how they've managed to to dig this form out because you know look I know a lot of people were expecting exactly this you know earlier in the season Arsenal were top and everyone was like well they'll collapse and City will win it and in fairness it looks like that's where we're heading but there was that like relatively rough spell in, in January and, yeah. and February You sound like you were a doubter I'll be honest I was a doubter I felt that I felt that it would improve but I also felt there was so many flaws there at the time that they would probably drop too many points that Arsenal might just be able to hold them off but they have mm-hmm. shown the form of Last year of you know, 2019, when they won 14 games in a row in the end, to yeah. end of the season. Yeah, I mean, in terms of my doubt, I went from when they lost to Spurs at the start of February. I went from they're definitely going to win it to they still can win it, but they're going to need Arsenal to drop a load of points. Because what I thought it was, I thought City could still win it, but not go on a run like they are now and look so fantastic as they are now, but maybe win three games, draw one, win three games, lose one, and carry on being that inconsistent. But if Arsenal dropped away so much, it wouldn't matter. That was kind of how I envisaged it. So in terms of being a doubter, yeah, I didn't I didn't actually see a run like this. I still thought they could win it, but not in the manner that it looks like they might do. In saying that, and there's definitely a recency bias in this from watching them last night and even against Liverpool a few weeks ago and the performance earlier in the season against United, is this the best version of a Pep Guardiola Manchester City you've seen? Yeah, I I think it may be. I think it may be um, because they've got all the usual things you expect of a Guardiola side, like the organisation, the patience, um, which, you know, patience was a huge factor last night just waiting for Arsenal to come to them and the, you know, the incision, the the, te- the technical ability. But one, they've got Haaland and two, they've just, uh, they've just got solid defenders. And if they can't control a game with possession and they do get counter-attacked on, they can, well, they're much better at, at standing up to it, you know, just making tackles, making blocks. Um, and it, it does seem like they were a bit more rounded because they were very complete last year. You know, they were very close to reaching the Champions League final again. You know, the Real Madrid thing happened. They won the league again. The year before that, they won the league and they did get to the Champions League final. So they're obviously amazing anyway. But then you add in that Haaland factor and just basically the the ability to play on the transition now. If they win the ball high up or if they can lure you in from goal kicks and suddenly play through you quickly. It looks like a counter-attack, but it isn't. But they can play that way now. And they, they, they've they got that kind of devastating factor. Um, a bit like they had in when they won 100 points with Sane and Sterling. Mm. But I, th- I think 
I'm tempted to say even more so. Maybe that's the recency bias, but you know, when you see De Bruyne do something like he did last night, and and Haaland just do what he does all the time, and the way Grealish is flying at the moment, yeah, they've just got so many different weapons. And again, mentioning Grealish, not just going forward, but tracking back, yeah. backwards as well. Like they, they, yeah, they do seem to have everything. You, you sort of touched on it there. Another side of it that we don't talk a lot with Manchester City is the physicality. That if it comes to a scrap they can stand up to anybody and I, I was hanging around the mix zone last night and Bernardo Silva uh, to contradict my point walked past and it is remarkable that you look at this little guy and go one of the most talented footballers in the world and five foot nothing but you then look at Rodri uh, Kanji's not the tallest but built like an absolute tank Ruben Diaz what Haaland has happened De Bruyne is a good physical presence and in those crucial games against other teams in the top six it's felt this season that physically the other teams haven't been able to deal with them um, It could that could be the case um, you can see that um, you know Rodri in particular can really mix it Rodri has got this great ability to if he's if he's not necessarily out of position, but if he's a few yards away from where the ball's dropping and he needs to make it, he, 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 can, he can get there. You know, mm. there was a couple of times last night where, well, there was one time, I remember he was surrounded by three players and it didn't seem like the smart option, but he kind of just took the, I'm going to barrel through all of these guys route. Um, yeah, they definitely can mix it. Funnily enough, a, a friend of mine who's a, a big City fan has been watching them for years, he messaged me earlier on and he was like, do you think that was the tallest team that Guardiola's ever picked? He was like, I'm not sure about Bayern Munich, but surely from from Barca mm-hmm. and surely from from his City team. And I mean, they're, they're, ironically, they were probably better at set pieces last year. I remember they had they had a good threat with Diaz, although I mean, Diaz aerially is a presence, but he's not actually that good in the air. But he, he's tall and he's, he's threatening. Um, they had Laporte and they had Rodri and then Stones when he was playing. But now, because of, you know, they play four centre-backs, they've got Akanji in there as well. Um, Diaz, Ake when he's there, Stones as well, Rodri and Haaland. So you're right, like they are, um, they are physical, but you're right about Bernardo Silva too, but also Gundogan. You know, when people mm. say about Il- Ilkay Gundogan, it's the base level kind of, oh yeah, he's good on the ball, n- nice passer and he-, and he can score goals. But, the second balls, you know, the way he gets around and he he, he knows where the ball's going to drop. He gets in, he wins it with great physicality, um, very good at getting in the way and, you know, buying a foul if he needs to. He's so good at that. He's not big at all by any means, but in terms of physicality, you've got him as well. Um, Grealish is a strong lad. And like we just mentioned a minute ago, running back. That, yeah, that's, that is definitely a part of it, that physicality. So a lot of the focus today has been on Arsenal and their collapse and the three draws coming into this and then not turning up last night. Like, last night, was it a case that they didn't turn up or City didn't allow them to turn up? Because again, it well, felt like from yeah. one, City were there. Yes, well, City were. Um, and the thing is, Arteta himself was very disappointed in, in how Arsenal turned up. He kind of said, we we didn't do all the things that we, we're good at. And that was, that was the case. I... I I just think City did a job on them, you know. Mm. Uh, I, I think it was as simple as that. Um, yeah, that that can happen, but it it didn't feel like you know you you were there. I'm not sure if you've been there in the past, but those big games against Liverpool, those kind of title deciding yeah. kind of games, it didn't feel that tension. You know, it didn't feel like this other team is going to come back no matter what. You know, even when Liverpool were there three 0 down, no three one down, 
a couple of weeks ago. I thought, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if they drew this three all. And you know, maybe that's just the aura of Liverpool and you know their past brilliance and all that kind of stuff. Well, you think back yeah. to this time last year and the two-two, and I, I, it was kind of drawing that comparison as well after the game that there were periods in that game where Manchester City just ripped Liverpool apart, where it felt like mm. there was this massive chasm between the two sides. That City were miles ahead of them, but Liverpool had a way when City were in that of just hanging on in there and waiting for their own spell and their own spell would come and they'd have 15 minutes where they'd be on top and they'd relieve the pressure and they'd be quite dominant and I remember that day they came out after half time and they got at Manchester City whereas Arsenal they didn't have 60 seconds of that no not really uh, and and even like, we, we talk about this and there was this, this, the statue arena at the start about the consecutive wins against Arsenal the, the the thing was you know a lot of those wins against Arsenal have come when you know it goes back to Arsene Wenger's mm. time when they were particularly soft in these games and then just the intervening period where you know under Emery and Arteta early on they weren't up to much and you know City were obviously strong so I was thinking last night you know, this is a different Arsenal. I don't think that record's especially relevant anymore. But ultimately, we did see that City are levels above them. But also, if we go back to that relatively rough period that we were talking about earlier, they beat Arsenal both times in those games. Now, Arsenal were the better team for large spells of the FA Cup game and the Premier League game at the Emirates. But City did win both of them. And they weren't massively, massively uncomfortable. They were certainly more uncomfortable than most teams make them. Um, but they weren't massively uncomfortable. And that you know that I think that kind of goes to show as well that wasn't even City at their best in that period that was probably the worst they've been playing it wasn't bad by any means compared to other teams but it's probably the worst they've played in two or three years and they were still beating Arsenal then uh, and now again it comes to last night when City are on it you know they're in that they're in that mood in terms of timing timing everything they know and I, you know I think that spurred on Guardiola keeps saying the players know now if they drop points that's it they're done and I think that kind of mentality where it's do or die every single game that's helped to kind of spur them on to what they're at now yeah Pep was on it from minute one as well there was no great yep. celebration when Kevin De Bruyne scored the goal he was charging onto the pitch to have a pop at Ederson uh, in total yeah. contrast to Mikel Arteta and look we've everyone's probably criticised Arteta for being too emotional at times on the sideline and is it distracting for the players the way he behaves like he, he never really moved from the edge of the technical area just with his arms crossed. Like it was. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. And, and listen, maybe he thought you know that the occasion would take care of itself. But uh, Guardiola is a fascinating watch on nights like that. Uh, you you are always trying to second guess what he's thinking, what he's trying to do, what he's berating his players about when they're putting together what feels like such a flawless performance. Yeah, you know what? I think I worked out actually that Edison clip. So I mean, if people haven't seen it, it's. It, if you just typed in Guardiola Edison on Twitter, you'd find it fairly easily. Um, so he's celebrating the goal and then he literally does remember a few seconds in that he needs to bollock Edison for something. <laughs> um, and I went back and had a look and basically Edison just, instead of playing the ball into either Rodri or Gundogan as the holding midfielder, so they can then pass it first time out to Diaz and Diaz is in a bit of space and then can then bring the ball forward. He passes it to Stones, who's under pressure. So Stones has to go long. Now it's that long ball from Stones that Haaland wins flicks onto De Bruyne and De Bruyne runs through and scores so ultimately it was good it worked out very well but it wasn't what they were supposed to be doing that you know it didn't matter that it led to the goal after six minutes in the huge game it wasn't what they were supposed to be doing and in terms of like second guessing Guardiola or what they want that that is it isn't it like that that tells you everything you need to know. It worked out fine. He could have let it go, but no, that's not what he's supposed to do because next time if you play it to Stones under pressure, he kicks it straight to Odegaard or Jacker in Burnfield. They give it to Jesus and Jesus scores. And it's just that kind of pursuit of 
not not perfection, but you know what I mean. Like it's there's a game plan. Stick to mm. it. That's it. We we all try and second guess him when it comes to what the team and what the formation will be, and he's obviously gone with this. Uh, John Stones in the middle of midfield option in recent weeks last night he went it was a 4-4-2 really from Pep Guardiola four across the back four across the middle and Kevin De Bruyne playing just off Erling Haaland uh, the decision to play Walker at right back and Akanji at left back is that was that just out of respect for Arsenal and for the talents of Saka and Martinelli yes pretty much um, Akanji he said afterwards because he'd seen him play against Bayern Munich against Koeman and Sane and all of their different threats and he He's just very good at winning the duels. Um, one on, you know, one on one player tries to go past him. He's just very good at stopping them. So he said, well, "Okay, well, maybe that works on 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 Saka over that side because obviously that's one of the things Ake's been doing um, during his spell at left back or left centre back or mix of the two. So he needed that, and he he decided that Akanji was was the man for that. And I think just by then moving that around. Um, you you still want to keep Stones and Diaz in there. And then, yeah, the, the other one to come in. I think Walker's had the more football recently. He's be, he's played better recently. Laporte hasn't been in recently. He's going to go in the summer most likely. Don't think his attitude's been great. Certainly by what Guardiola was kind of hinting. Or maybe I was reading between the lines. Um, but yeah, Walker, you know, he's played more recently. He's in he's in a better rhythm. And we know, you know, pacey wingers, tricky wingers, he's, he's very good at shutting them down. So it, 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 it did make sense. In, in that sense it, it did make sense maybe a bit of a gamble to move a Kanji over to the left hand side but it certainly paid off uh, it feels like it's done despite the fact that Arsenal are still top of the league yes the yeah. only thing that maybe could derail City is the fixture list that you know they still have seven Premier League games to go they have three more Premier League games over the next ten days before they even start to think about Real Madrid albeit against three teams that you would expect them to beat that Madrid game now uh, where you have City who it feels like are the best team in Europe but mm. Real Madrid, who are the masters of games like this and European football. Uh, how much of a focus do you think switches to that? Are we going to see rotation of players over no. the next two or three games? Um, only when it's absolutely necessary. You know, last night Guardiola said De Bruyne had told him that he had some niggles in his in his leg and needed to come off. That kind of strikes me as the kind of normal thing that you get at this time of year. But now, if that means that it's a danger, you know, if he can't, play on Sunday against Fulham because if he were to aggravate something he'd be out for the rest of the season then they wouldn't play him against Fulham but if he was fine to play he'll play against Fulham like mm. there's until they're top and until they've got a, a big margin for error and that might not come because unless Arsenal lose like the next two three games they're not actually going to have a big margin for error City are going to need to win their games to make sure they do overtake Arsenal um, with, with these games in hand and, and to make sure that that they've got enough points, um, there isn't a big margin for error. So no, there won't there won't be like large scale rotation. It will only be dictated by you know players saying I can't play or the doctor saying he's got a bit of a knock. We need to be careful. Otherwise, you know that they, they will just push through. You know that Real Madrid game is huge, but what they got before that, they've got Fulham away, West Ham, West Ham Leeds. and Leeds. And okay, they're winnable games. So there is you know if if there was tiredness, there is room for one maybe two changes. But I wouldn't be expecting an awful lot. Uh, I mean, the good thing is they've got Foden coming back. They've got Mahrez. So if you did need to make a couple, you've got two quality players right there. But I don't think they'll want to make a lot because that's just not how they That's not how they do it. They kind of just push through for everything and see what happens. And maybe it's not always worked, but that is how they do it. What, what's Haaland happy with from those three games? Six goals? 
got to be got to be thinking about a hat trick against West Ham next Wednesday night. Yeah, well, no, sorry, yeah, yeah, exactly against West Ham and Leeds. I did I did a podcast earlier. I was like, it wouldn't be a surprise if you got a hat trick in both of those games, which is which is mad, really. And to be honest, if you got two in the first half and the game was done, they'd probably take him off at half time again. Hmm. But it just it just goes to show that the standards he set and okay, maybe you know in the media we still expect too much. That is, uh, it seems to be a reasonable expectation, you know, or at least it's it's normal that people are saying, well, this guy's going to get two hat-tricks in the next two games. Or the, you well, know, he the could have had it last night. He should have had it last night. Yeah, well, he should have, really, exactly. So that goes to show as well, he's not actually that good. Like, bit of a joke. 49, 49, no, no, we'll, we'll record that, we'll clip it up. There's the criticism yeah, yeah, of Erling yeah. Haaland. Uh, 33 Premier League goals, so it's a new record for 38-game season. Uh, he's just one behind Cole and Shearer. 49 goals in all competitions, so like that... So he'll get to 50. The 60 mark is definitely, when you look at the amount of games City have left, like 60 is the one that always felt like that was a Dixie Dean number. It wasn't modern day yeah. English football at all. It was something from a, a bygone era where football wasn't the football that we know right now. Like you, you're around City, you've, you've, you've been covering them from you know, when they first showed an interest in Erling Haaland. Your sense of what they've made of him this season, is this what was, what was expected of Erling Haaland? Or have even people at City been taken aback? as to just how brilliant he has been. Yeah, I th- I, from what I can gather, I think just the, the extent of it has su- surprised people. They, you know, they obviously expected um, a great goal scorer. You know, that's why they kind of pushed the boat out to get him. And, you know, they made the the, the big pitches about how they were going to look after him and, you know, how they'd elongate his career and, and these kind of things. Um, but the extent to which he scored these goals, I think has taken people by surprise. You know, they, they've seen... A really good attitude as well, because you know you, you can get a, you can do background checks on players, but you never really know until they're there. But he's you know he's incredibly supportive of all the other teammates. You know he's always working hard to to improve. And you know despite the fact that you know we've got him down as this kind of formidable beast that does no wrong, you know he's always in there every day to improve. And I think that's the thing that's kind of impressed Guardiola the most. Like they knew they were getting a quality player, but it was they've only they, they've really been struck by that attitude. Um, since he's been here and then I just you know just how he's just exploded really just this amount of goals I always expected him to do well but I didn't think like this you know what I mean like I, know, I don't think he'll get to 60 but Oof. even though that's 49, a conversation seven league games three Champions League and an FA Cup oh, final yeah you do make you got 11 you games make, you do, and he's 11 goals in 11 point. games come well, on I mean, I mean, the thing is as well imagine how many he'd scored if they weren't you know like I said there they made the big pitch about looking after his body mm. Imagine, imagine how many he'd scored if he if he just stayed on. But it is all about managing him and making sure he doesn't get injured. But then again, you know, if you're saying you keep him on longer, then he does get injured and you miss three, four weeks and you don't get the amount of goals. But I suppose the point is though that amount of goals he has scored, it's not even in full ninety minutes. You know, sometimes he's coming off at half time and he scored. He scored twice. Uh, he's got a hat trick after an hour and he's off. Uh, the five goals against Leipzig. When did he come off? With about half an hour to go, something like that. Maybe even twenty minutes. But he's scoring all these goals in such a small amount of time as, as well in games. It, yeah, it, it is incredible. So yeah, maybe may, God, maybe he does get to sixty. Unbelievable. It, it, no, it, nobody, nobody expected that. I don't think it does feel that that this title will will really bring into focus. Manchester City's just total and utter dominance of English football. First three in a row, five of the last six. And the questions that are hanging over the club with the FA charges and the over 100 FA charges that they're facing. Is there any timeline as to when they're going to f- actually have to face those charges and when it'll all come to a head? No, just a long way off in the future, basically. Just so, a long way off in the future. I mean, have they even assembled the the, the independent panel yet? I don't think so. Um, and when were the charges done? Start of February? Um, it It's just always seemed 
the word was always and continues to be that it's going to be some way off that. Um, and look, I mean, we don't know which way it's going to go, but I, I know that City genuinely believe that there's no big nasty surprise in store for them. You know, they they may be wrong, um, but it's not like a PR front. It is genuinely what they believe. So, um, does it need to be a big nasty surprise if they're facing a hundred separate charges over four years? Well, I, yeah, but what I mean is they're not expecting to, like for there to be any kind of guilty verdict on. On you know anything that would result in them losing titles or getting relegated or you know you know like with the Champions League ban basically mm. they were guilty of not cooperating, um, but not the other stuff. And it's like if if that's the equivalent this time, you know I I don't know fully what they're expecting that they there may be guilt of, um, but if there is any, it doesn't you know I don't I don't think it sounds like it's going to be the kind of stuff where you're thinking oh, are they going to be able to go into the Championship or League Two? You know it's yeah. just like. They're not worried yeah. about asterisks over titles or medals being handed no, back no, no, or anything no. like that. No, se- seemingly not. But look, like I say, uh, who who knows? Because at the end of the day, they they've got no um, they've got no control over how it goes. But in terms of the evidence that that they're providing and the paperwork that they're providing and this kind of thing, it it, it seems to be that they're they're certainly not worried about it. Um, let's put it that way. It it doesn't feel like it's going to slow down anytime soon either. As to what's to come this summer, you mentioned Emmerich Laporte there as a player who could potentially leave. Also, Bernardo Silva last summer, which seems bizarre now mm. when we look at the way he's played, have been strongly linked with Barcelona. All the speculation is that Jude Bellingham could well arrive at the Etihad. What are you hearing in terms of what their summer plans are? Um, yeah, I mean Bellingham's not decided yet. I can't just uh, it's this you know i can i can say this on my own podcast because people get it but now i'm exposed to the world and people like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about i don't know for certain where bellingham's going i've got the feeling that he's going to see but i I wouldn't i wouldn't put my own money on it let alone anyone who else's um yeah they want to do some work in midfield the interesting thing about bellingham is he's not a replacement for gundogan and bernardo silva and if those two go they're going to need to get somebody else. You know, that's why the, the Kovacic links are floating around because you've got a player with experience there um, and somebody who's not going to be massively expensive. Um, they do need work in midfield. They want fullbacks. I think there's, I think a right winger. Um, but they've got, you know, they're expecting players to move on. Calvin Phillips might even go. So you've got money up for Laporte, for Bernardo Silva, for Calvin Phillips. I think they might sell some young players in the summer too. So all of a sudden there, you're looking at a similar one to last year where they're bringing in, what are we looking at there? 150 to 200 million maybe, just on those kind of ones I mentioned. Um, and that, that's just coming in. And then they made a profit last summer because uh, they sold Sterling and Jesus and Sinchenko and a load of kids. So, yeah, I mean, people might roll their eyes at this, but there's money to spend. Mm, there always is a city. Uh, Sam, great stuff as always. No, any time, guys. Thanks very much. All our football and off the ball is brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Football on off the ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports.